This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. From the Fox News Podcast Network, I'm Dana Perino, and everything will be okay. Hello, and welcome back. Last week, we spoke to advisor, author, and host of the She Said, She Said podcast, Laura Cox Kaplan, about the best advice she's received from her own podcast. Laura has had the opportunity to speak to such incredible women, and I'm very grateful she was able to share some of those wisdoms with us. And my guest this week has her own wisdom to share about balancing life, motherhood, and more. When it comes to fashion, I really need some guidance. I didn't have the best fashion sense when I was growing up. I remember my mom ironing a big yellow D on the back pocket of my jeans because I wanted a design on the pocket. Jordash, mom. Jordash. And she would sew an Isod Lacoste alligator onto my button downs instead of paying for a real one. I think that one blue gator ended up on three different shirts over the years. So I'm a little scarred. There are professionals who can help. Rebecca Minkoff is a fashion designer, entrepreneur, and author. In this conversation, Rebecca describes how she creates balance in her own life, how her company braved the pandemic, and her new book, Fearless, the new rules for unlocking creativity, courage, and success. Rebecca, I want to start at the end of your book and then work my way backwards because I find it so interesting to read the experiences that um, COVID had for different people. And there were many authors who had books coming out this year that were writing their books um, in 2020. And you had um, real um, consequences uh, for your family life, but also for your business. I thought maybe I'd ask you to start there since so many people are trying to grapple with getting through the pandemic and either returning to work or just emerging and figuring out what their professional situation looks like now. Yeah. I mean, I think we we've all seen how challenging it was to work parent somehow become a teacher in the midst of this. Um, I, I felt, I guess, lucky is a weird word to say in that my husband was also able to share the load. I know for so many women, that was not the case. But we each did these four hour shit, or sorry, we each did these two hour shifts, and we were like, we're, we can get done whatever we can get done in four hours a day of teaching. That's what it'll be. Um, and then the other one will make the meals and we'll just figure this out. And so uh, I'm definitely not a good teacher. I'm good at a lot of things, but you know, I, I reminded my daughter who just got like this handwriting award last week, best handwriting for her school in the county. I was like, do you remember that exactly a year ago, it would take you two hours to write the cat jumped over the moon and I would be screaming at you because I knew you could do it. She was like, yeah. (laughs) So so yes, 
it's been, it's been hard and it's, and work was challenging too. 70% of our business evaporated, uh, in March of last year. And so we had to figure out how do we survive as a company? And you did, you said that you kind of went back to basics in a way, in terms of, you said that, you know, you, uh, you write about, um, getting right back into the, uh, going back to the customer. I knew that I am only here because of my customer. We were the first fashion company to really adopt the idea that we should be in touch with our customer, that we should talk to her, that we weren't better than her. I know it sounds crazy, but there was a world that existed back, you know, 16 years ago where it was not the case to talk to your consumer. Um, And we hadn't stopped talking to her. But we were also, you know, always sort of worried about the biggest percentage of our business, which was wholesale, Neiman Marcus, Saks, Bloomingdale's, Nordstrom. And so most of our work every day was, what did they think? How are they selling? Do they want anything new? What do we need to make for them? It wasn't, what does she want? What is she, you know, liking? And so the fact that, you know, we only had our site to live on for the most part of 2020 was us going, what, you know, let's get back to her in a, in a much closer and tight-knit way that was reminiscent of the early days. How might your business or um, fashion writ large be changing as people come out of this pandemic? I think what it's done is it's changed us fundamentally from a perspective of it's always going to be our business first, our site our relationships with our customers, our stores. We want to work with our wholesale partners and enjoy those relationships, but it'll be on our terms. It'll be on healthier terms. And I think that, you know, we saw that by cutting back on what we offer, by ensuring that there was a real meaning behind everything we did and we made a lot less product Um, we, you know, cut our inventory by, I want to say over 50%. So we're just much leaner and much healthier. And I don't think we ever want to go back out of that. I mean, um, so I read about the the morning after bag, which I want to get back to in just a moment, but I think that you could do like an after pandemic bag and everybody would want to have it and it'd be like, I've emerged and here I am. Um, the last sentence of the book, you write, be thankful for what you have be fearless for what you want. And I loved that. And maybe the best thing to do now as we go back to the um, beginning of this book and um, your journey, you titled the book Fearless. And why is that? So I really want to hone in here. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have fear. It doesn't mean I didn't have fear. It means that you have the fear, you acknowledge it, and that can be fear in any part of your life, personal, professional, goal-oriented, whatever it is, but you go forward anyways. I think my goal with this book is in taking a look at my last 20 years, there's been a lot of decisions that seemed risky or scary that I was scared, but I didn't let it be the thing that defined that decision. And so I hope that as much as you're entertained by my story, you're also able to take away from it the idea that you can have that emotion, but don't let it hold you back from pursuing what makes you happy. So what I always love is um, to hear about like the big moment or the, 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 whatever happened that completely changed the direction for you um, or for anybody that's so successful. Um, can you tell people about what happened uh, with the shirt? 
Yes. And when I say the shirt, the shirt is in quotes, just like mm-hmm. the bag is in, is in quotes. The shirt was, I was working for a designer and on the side, I was starting my own sort of small five-piece collection. And one of those items was a cut-up, knotted, bedazzled, I Heart New York shirt, believe it or not. DIY was a thing then. People like to wear things that look very homemade. And um, I was wearing it. My sister-in-law saw one and wanted it and then uh, had dinner with uh, a mutual friend who was a really famous actress, Jenna Elfman at the time. And so she wanted one. And so I sent her one on September 9th, 2001. um, And she wore it on Jay Leno shortly after. And the significance of her wearing that shirt after 9-11 and him calling out the shirt on TV, um, you know, really changed my trajectory. It it became something that with all the coverage of what was happening to New York and what designers were doing charitable, charitable wise to support New York, that shirt got so much play. And that's all I did for about nine months was make that shirt. All the proceeds outside of paying for my food to eat and rent would go to charity. And so it really opened doors for me so that I could call people and say, Hey, I'd love to come show you my line. Would you take a meeting? And people didn't know where they'd heard my name, but they're like, I've heard your name. Sure. Why not come over? So that sort of kickstarted my, my own company and the journey I took. And here we are 20 years later and you have this book fearless. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple of different uh, rules. You have all the rules in here, Rebecca Minkoff's rules. And one of them is sign your own permission slip. Can you talk to people about that? Yeah, I think that, you know, if anyone is listening who's a mother, you probably make your kids ask for permission for almost everything. And then we grow up and we still feel the need to ask permission to pursue something, to try something. It's almost like we need the outside approval, whether whether it's a friend. Yeah, you should go do that. Uh, or a colleague or a boss uh, or a husband, God forbid, you know, and I, and I think I just wanted to impart that you are your own cause. You are your own source of permission. So you should not look for outside permission. Give yourself permission. Just go do those things um, and and free yourself of seeking the approval from others. So it's so interesting. Um, this book, I think, is great for a lot of people, um, including myself, because I'm grappling with something right now um, that I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm almost like afraid to ask for something that I, I need work-wise. And I'm realizing I'm reading this. I'm like, wait, I'm like a grown woman. I, I can just do this um, and tell them what I, I need um, and, and get the help. So I appreciated that um, a lot. It's advice for all sorts of people. Um, the other thing I really liked is this question, uh, this question of what should I do next, right? Or people who feel kind of stuck in their jobs, and especially after the pandemic, the job market might feel uncertain, even though the economy seems set to really just be amazing this year, there's, that's not true of every sector. And some people are still dealing with um, desires to either change careers or change jobs. But you have this rule of look for the opportunity in front of you. Can you tell us about that? I think that there are opportunities in front of us all the time. And we have to be, you know, I call it like my little tentacles are always sort of out there looking Um, And a lot of the early success and current success we experience as a company is due to those sort of moments. So when you're, when you're talking, you know, I guess the clearest examples could be 
from in the beginning, you know, I got an inbound email of a woman who was asking about a bag and I saw where she worked. She worked at a huge talent agency and I just said, Hey, I'll give you the bag that you want to buy. If you get this bag to some of your clients, you know, who are they? And she said, well, I have, you know, Lauren Conrad from the Hills, which was a huge show at the time. And I have this person, this person. And so I was like, I'll give you as many bags as you want. Just get those, get the other ones to these girls and have them wear them. And she did. Uh, and, and I could have just turned that one email into one transaction, but having those bags on the celebrities, especially in the early 2000s was how you got notoriety or even the most recent, you know, we're exploring an NFT. If that's, if that word sounds like a what, mm-hmm. uh, there's plenty of uh, information on what NFTs are. But, you know, I was doing an interview with a reporter and she said, are you getting into NFTs? I said, we want to, but we're, we're, we're thinking about it. She said, well, I have a fashion connection and, and they're already in the space. Let me introduce you. And so it's seizing those opportunities when they come in. Um, you know, we're not ready to do this, but we're going to go ahead and do it because we all, you know, we all have to sort of seek out those things that might be right in front of us and how do we turn them into um, furthering ourselves on our path. And so I think the more you look for those opportunities, the more you'll find them. We'll be right back with more of this interview after this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. I get this question a lot. I'm assuming you do, too. Um, Do you have advice for people on when do you know it's time to leave a job? Oh, man, I think that's a tough choice. Uh, I think it's a tough decision no matter what. I think if you are beyond miserable, you are burnt out because you no longer feel passion. You have explored and looked at every possible way that you could suck the passion out of some part of that job or get ahead, ask for a raise. You know, if you feel like I'll never forget, I interviewed Bozema St. John for my podcast, and she was like, yeah, I was at Uber. I thought I could change things. I did everything in my power to try and beat against that wall, and nothing would change. So am I going to be miserable? No. Am I going to say I'm a failure? No. I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to leave and find a place that is willing to change. So um, so I think that you have to you know, give it your all. And if it's still not working for you, leave. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It means it wasn't working for you. And you are, again, in charge of your own path. And so if you can afford to leave or you can afford to look or you can get another opportunity, then, then I say go. I love this chapter um, and the rule, networking flows both ways. And I'm big on this in terms of uh, the more people you help and the more people you know, the more people will help you along the way. What's your experience been in networking? I think that networking, you know, people talk a lot about mentors and I've had, I haven't really had mentors. I've had sponsors uh, that have really just said, here's an opportunity, go do the hard work to get it. Um, But I think that I've, I've had more growth and success and personal fulfillment from networking than I have anything else. And I think it doesn't mean that the person who's helping you, you necessarily can help. 
but you can always help someone else. And so I've always kept that in mind that if I wasn't in a position to repay the person who gave me a leg up or gave me a chance or an opportunity, that the minute I could do that for somebody else, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you're listening, you're like, but I don't know anyone or I don't have any skills or, you know, I'm sure that's not the case. But if you think that about yourself, there's someone who is in a less privileged position, less opportunistic position than you. And if you find them and seek them out, the fulfillment you'll get from helping someone else is a good thing. And you will be sort of paying it forward for all the help that you've been given. You also have this in here, which I really love, which is that no one is timing you. And I feel like there are so many young women in particular that they feel some pressure. They're in a hurry um, and that they seem like they're like they're being judged. Uh, they think they're being judged, but they're really not. Is that your advice? Yeah, I think there's been, you know, with the advancement of technology, people also right or wrong assume that their career will be as easy as getting their Amazon Prime or an Uber. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling young people who especially, you know, want to start at a company and then six months later be the CEO to just, your career is the long haul. I don't know of a shortcut. If there is one, please, by all means, tell me. Um, But every single person that I've met and I've been fortunate enough to meet a ton of founders, there's no silver bullet. You have to work at this three, five, 10, 20 years to become an overnight success. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is really the journey and not the end destination that you should be enjoying and um, taking the, the, the purpose of what you're doing out of the journey versus some mythical destination that you think you're gonna get there and you're gonna just be satisfied and what, go sit on a rock and pray forever? Like. I don't think that's how the world works. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, goal setting in your mind? Like, how do you do? Do you set formal goals? Do you recommend people do that? I will set realistic goals. Of course, we have a three, five year plan, but you know, sometimes you can have a three and five year plan, and then COVID happens or something major, and that all gets thrown out the window. So I think for me, you know. I'll set realistic goals that I think are more short-term. So I have a goal and a plan and sort of a to-do list that's through June. When my book comes out, when that when that baby is born, I then go good fashion week, September. Uh, when, that, when I hit that milestone, I go, okay, good February, the next fashion week, because there's a very short time to plan between those two things. So for me, um, I feel most positive when I can plan in three-month increments because uh, I feel like those are really doable things that you know sort of what could happen in between that time. Oh, that's great advice. And I th- think about that kind of in my own world, even so when I was at the White House or even now, because a lot of things um, revolve around D.C. and politics in terms of the news, um, you have sort of the State of the Union address. And that's usually in a not this year, but in most years, that's early February. And then, okay, then you're going to move on into spring and there's going to be the first hundred days. And so you can get to that. So I think in a way I kind of informally do that. Um, and I do think that that is a little bit of a bite-sized chunk uh, that you can deal with. I feel like there are a lot of young women who are thinking about, one, their finances, but also that they are not saving enough right now and that there are ways that you can plan ahead. I, You know, I have to give credit to... Um, a really crazy ex-boyfriend who forced me to, to open up like a savings account. I was like, I don't even have any money, like enough to live right now. How could I start a savings account? And he said, start it, delete the password, 
Um, and I, I was like, okay, 10 bucks a month. And then as I was able to start doing more, you know, I would add more a hundred dollars, 200. And this was years ago. This was like back in 2004. And when we went to buy a home, I checked the account and I was like, oh my goodness, there's <laughs> enough for a down payment. So whether you're making interest or not, at least for me, sometimes I say to myself, and this could be dumb advice, you know, the value of me saving and forgetting, even though I didn't make good interest, we were able to make a down payment on a house um, because I just never accessed that cash. I pretended I didn't have it. Um, I would say there's some really great ways to save now that make it a lot easier, um, whether it's you know working with LFS, they have an incredible platform. They can educate you on stocks and, and how to get into that arena or there's, you know, simple apps that, you know, take X percent of your change and put it away. And so I think that it's definitely important, even if you don't know what you're saving for, believe me, as you get older, there'll be unexpected expenses that you're like, yep, need to pay $2,000 to have my kid's teeth uh, removed because he doesn't Mm -hmm. brush his teeth and has a zillion cavities. Awesome. At least you have the money saved. I love that. Rule number 15 is called gut check. Get into your intuition. Um, How did you decide that that was going to be an important rule for you? I made a lot of mistakes not following my intuition. The signal one that I talk about in the book is um, I wanted a real maternity leave. I wanted to just check out. I was tired. I was over it. Um, And we had hired a creative director to sort of oversee the team while I was gone. Um, And I literally handed her the keys and I was like, I don't want to hear from you for three months, you know? I lasted six weeks because I'm just like that with my maternity leaves. And it was February and I was like, I can't leave the house and I'm going crazy. I might as well go back to work. Um, So I went back to work and I felt like something was off. I felt like the creative direction was off. I wasn't certain that that was the the right designs that would lead us forward. But I said, what do I know? She's a seasoned professional. I'm not formally trained. She's been doing this forever. And I just kept telling myself I didn't know if, if she was right, but I also told myself, what do I know? Mm. And that went on for far too long. And it had huge impacts on the business. It took a year to rewrite it and, and fix the business because of that. And so I just made a vow to myself after years of entering into those types of mistakes. I said, I'm never going to do that again. If something smells fishy, most often it is. And you really need to go to your gut and trust your intuition because you know best what might be off or not in your business or in a situation. And so you got to trust your gut. It's great advice. And um, I think that all of us, we sort of relearn that advice. Um, and then you, when, once you go through it once, you're like, I'm never doing that again. Um, so that's great advice. Um, before I lose you, um, a last question about... The question I get most often when I do minute mentoring, and that is, how would you describe, at least for yourself, or, and any advice to impart upon others, um, as a very successful working mother, work-life balance? How do you figure that out? We all need to throw away the term balance. It is a word that has been aimed at women by I don't know who. I'd like to find them and wring their necks to make us feel like failures uh, for when we don't get to have it all. And I also, you know, use an example a lot. Men don't have balance. They never have. They weren't marketed to that they should. 
Um, so why do we think we should get it? Uh, I think it's an unachievable standard. And I think what you need to do is close yourself off of everything you see that someone, you know, especially social media makes it look like and, and ask yourself, what looks right for you in your life? What is the appropriate amount of time on, off, doing what? And how do you step by step begin to build it? And I think that one of the silver linings with COVID has, yes, there's been more overworked parents doing all the things, but it has also sort of taken the, the I don't know how to, what the expression is, you know, taken the lid off of and exposed parenting and work. So that if your kid is going crazy in the background, people are like, ah, ha, ha, cute, whatever. So I think that in some ways it has allowed people to understand that you have a life outside of work and what, what feels right for you and test it. I spent months, years testing different things when I had my son. What's working too much? What's working too little? Okay, I've been doing this for 15 years now. Do I need to check emails on the weekends? Will anything die or happen if I don't? Guess what? No. So I think that um, I've, I've done the uncomfortable where I now know I'll never leave my kids more than 10 days. And if, and if I do, one comes with me. Is that a pain in the butt? Yeah, it totally is. But then I get to see my kid. Do I have to have the nanny come with me and do I have to pay for that? Yes. So I think that you sort of have to go really deep on your boundaries and needs and your sacrifices. And you'll always have something right and something won't be right. And to be okay with that. And and some advice I was given by another woman I interviewed on my podcast was don't look at it as day-to-day or week-to-week where you an A mom and a D wife and a C employee. What if you looked at it like over months, you know, over, over several months, how did you sort of average out? And if you averaged out pretty good, then take a win at that. And if you didn't, then what do you need to change in your life to make that more possible? Right. Well, there's terrific advice in this book. I cannot wait to recommend it to many others and to buy it for many people, especially these graduates um, that are coming out and embarking on their careers. There's a great role model to be found in you, uh, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a real honor to be able to talk to Rebecca Minkoff. Uh, Her story is quite incredible, and I really loved her book, so check that out. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. I'm Dana Perino. Everything will be okay. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.